a house in Houston right now is crazy. I've been searching for a home and I'd find one, I'd fall in love with it, and then I'd get wildly outbid. Many of us are anxiously watching those interest rates climb, with some rushing to close the deals before they even get higher. But is this rise in the interest rate really going to slow the market down? Will we finally see an end to all the bidding wars? To help answer that and many more questions that I've got, I'm speaking with Robert Searcy. He's been a longtime realtor in Houston, and he even helped our host, Lisa Gray, buy her home many years ago. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. I'm Dina Kispa, in for Lisa while she takes a much-needed time off, and this is CityCast Houston. Robert, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk home buying with you because I am in the market. And let me tell you, I am struggling. <laughs> yes, many people are. Yeah. Yeah. So you you know, because you've been a realtor for a pretty long time, I want to yes. say, right? You yes. helped Lisa yes. buy her home. Yes. Lisa Gray. We yes. Did, we did find her her place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> her mid-century modern. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty fitting for Lisa. Yeah. So what would you say are like the first steps from your perspective? Should a new prospective buyer take before taking that leap or like jumping into buying a house? What should we do first? People have probably heard this before, but of course, getting pre-approved, you know, getting your pre-approval letter. Any offer that you submit has to have that pre-approval letter with it. Unless, of course, you're an all-cash buyer, which, you know, very few people are. Uh, they require proof of funds, but, um, you know, for most people, you're going to be getting a mortgage. So then you, you get your letter. That's your first mm -hmm. step. Then yeah. how do you then begin the process of searching for a house? Where do you start? The one website that I, that I would recommend using, har.com, you know, mm. the, the Houston Association of Realtors or not, I think now they wanted to stand for homes and rentals. Yeah. har.com is to me the mothership, you know, with Zillow and, and Trulia and all those other sites, they pull yeah. off of HAR. HAR is where it starts. Oh. And you can set alerts on there to notify you when there are new listings and things in, in certain markets that uh, you might mm. be interested in. I'm, of course, an, an advocate for, you know, getting an agent. You need to get an agent, an agent that's out there looking in the areas that you want to try to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think you have to kind of be really on, you know, HAR, especially um, if you're, you're really looking to try to buy now, it's, you got to get on there almost every day, pretty yeah. much, and just keep keep checking. Yes. Okay. So that's good. I, I feel like I'm doing it right. I'm, I am yeah. on that one. And then I- <laughs> And it's still a challenge in this it's market. Still it's still a challenge. That's the it's thing. It's still a challenge. <laughs> but I think right now there's all this talk about, you know, affordability and uh, you know, inventory and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes a little bit of perspective is needed. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I think interest rates are, what, you know, like around five and a quarter, I think. So, you know, yeah, that, that they've kind gone of up. Thing. They have gone up, but, mm -hmm. you know, they've gone up from historically, historically super crazy low yeah. you know, rates. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it's not like we're at the 18% interest rates that, around in like 1981, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And let's hope we don't, let's hope we don't oh get back there. <laughs> so while, while these are not as enticing and as good as what, what things have been, 
I, I, I can't just embrace this like, oh, this is doom and gloom yeah, um, true. at this particular interest rate. It still makes buying a house, you know, a, a viable option for a lot of people. Right. And, it, you know, my journey has been really hard because I always get outbid. Like, it's not how it was yeah. when my parents bought their house in the early, early yeah. 2000s. You know, the bidding yeah. war is out of control. And I'm just oh, like wondering, yeah. what do I need to consider before putting a bid on a house? Like, for example, there was, you know, I'm eyeing my dad's neighborhood because I want to be close to my parents. Like, I know yeah. I'm being super specific and very narrow, which doesn't <laughs> help my case. <laughs> but there's yeah. been like a lot of homes that go on sale. And there was this one woman who wanted to sell her house and it doesn't have a sign on it, but all the neighbors know that she's selling her house. So yeah. obviously went over there, inquired you know, she was like, you know, I'll, it's like not even, it's like barely 2000 square feet. And she was asking for 420 for it. And I was like, that's a really tiny house for such a high price. And it needed yeah. like all so many upgrades because it was still the same yeah. fixtures that my parents had in their house when they bought the house like 20 years ago. And so, you know, options like that, what do I need to consider when putting in an offer? Is that even something I should be looking at? Should I just like continue looking? You know, a couple of thoughts, and, and one is you have to be prepared to walk away from any deal. The other thing that you have to consider is is the bank appraisal. Um, sometimes, I think in this market, while a lot of houses are flying off the shelf, there's a lot of houses that also are sitting because sellers, they read all these media reports of the market and how crazy it is, and they hear things, and, and right. they suddenly decide that they can ask whatever they want to ask and (laughs) with no relationship to what other homes have sold for. And you do have the bank appraisal as a, as a sort of protection for you as a buyer. And I feel your pain because, you know, near Kingwood where we're running out there every day. And I think it was like five different houses that we bid on and we were going in $10,000 over list price on houses and getting beat out. Oh my God. In this market, I don't think you're going to get any, there's not any big super deals, you know? Yeah. I get investors again that comment, oh, we're looking for these fix and flip. I was like, oh, that's cute. No, no, it's, <laughs> you know, that's just not, not like in this not market. I mean, you know, just thinking of the future and the present, I'm thinking of how like we've, We've always heard that the, the interest rate is going to increase, and we've seen it increase. Yes. And we hear it's going to increase again. I mean, does that benefit people like me in any way? Like, should I be waiting until it goes up? Will that, like, bring the house prices down? I mean, will it be less of a bidding war if the interest rates are really high, or is that just... On one hand, you know, this this real estate party is not going to last forever. It's got to, it's got to soften. Uh, do I think that's going to happen you know, this year uh, in the short term, I don't, again, you know, it's hard to make predictions. Remember when the pandemic started, everybody thought real estate was going to crash. Yeah. And it did the exact opposite in a very yeah. big way. Um, what's driving things is still, you've got this lack of inventory, as you know, mm. if you're a home shop, it's still yeah. brutal. And there's still a lot of people in the same position that you are in. It's like, I want to buy a house. I am pre-approved. I am ready Mm-hmm. But they they have not been able to find the right opportunity. And I also don't think we're going to see a lot of in the way of price declines. There may be, maybe when things slow down, whenever that happens, more opportunities for the occasional deal to start mm-hmm. showing up that are just the real estate unicorns right now that just are not out there. I tend to... And, and admittedly, this is like an, an overgeneralization of, of 
people, but I tend to lump buyers kind of like, you know, you're either suburban buyers or you're city people, you mm-hmm. know, and we all know the city, you know, the interloopers where, you know, the world falls off flat at Post Oak and, yeah. and they're not, you know, they're, they sit in the corner in a fetal position and gnaw their wrists before they would live in like Katy or, or yeah. Spring it's not me. or whatever. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. But when it comes to affordability, there's a different set of challenges, I think, for people who want to live in town. I'm going to use just, for example, Westbury on the southwest side. Mm -hmm. Uh, For years, it had become an option for people who'd been priced out of places like the Heights, who, you know, if they had the financial wherewithal, they'd be living in the Heights or Montrose or something like that, but cost prohibitive. And they've kind of gone that uh, first ring just outside the loop and, and gone to a place like Westbury. And then I'll hear people, oh, no, that all floods over there. And Mm -hmm. yes, there were some sections in Harvey that got hit. Absolutely. But there were a whole lot of sections that did not, have not. Now, that's not to say, you know, under the right conditions, any place in Houston could flood. I mean, we saw it with Harvey, like places that never really flooded, flooded. Yeah. So, you know, it can happen anywhere. But there, you know, people will be dismissive and like write off an entire area and it's really based on a misperception or, mm. you know, wrong information. Right. There may have been a viable options for you out there that you could have afforded that would have still provided you right. the access you want to the amenities that you want within, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not ideal, but within the realm of acceptability that um, as far as distance goes, because um, we know how the interloper, you know, it's like Definitely. they got to go in five <laughs> minutes, you know, it's like, oh, my God, pack a lunch. Exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> It's, you know who you are, you know? right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, and, and things like that, where people sometimes make decisions about areas and they, and they narrow their options mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Of course, I preach the gospel of transitional neighborhoods and, <laughs> and, and looking at those because what I've is, been around. What Houston. is that exactly? A transitional neighborhood? What, how does that? You know, transitional neighborhood is a, is a, is a polite way of saying neighborhoods that, that went to hell in a breadbasket at some point. And then, you know, <laughs> oh people have come in and, and started, you know, fixing some things up. Oh, and okay. sometimes people will, you know, deride it as gentrification. Other times people will say, oh, this area is revitalizing. Hmm. You know, it depends on the area. People will rule out areas just assuming like, oh, well, that area must be bad. It must mm. have crime because there's some blighted stuff around it or it's not right. all already fixed up. Mm-hmm. And if you actually run the crime stats on some of these, you know, so-called transitional areas, uh, you find sometimes the crime rate is no worse or even better than some of the trendier, much more expensive areas. So again, people are making decisions about their options based on information that isn't always accurate. Right. There may be some good areas next to bad. And of course, my thing on that is, well, welcome to Houston. You know, um, (laughs) if if you're going Garden Oaks, for example, which I consider a very desirable, very beautiful Mm -hmm. neighborhood. Yeah, but you know, if you're going up Shepherd Pass, Forty Third North, it's kind of like falling off a cliff once you get past (laughs) Forty Third. Crazy. Let's (laughs) let's be real. You know, Bel Air. I mean, Bel Air is an Mm -hmm. exclusive place, and you know, you cross Winwick. Um, their spring branch is booming, mm-hmm. but there's some streets in spring branch that make, you know, telephone road look like, you know, a scenic <laughs> drive. You run into this all over the town where the good areas are next to bad. And I think sometimes when it comes to, you know, areas that are more affordable, people will make a big deal about issues like that, that exist in the areas they can't afford. When we're looking at the market and when we're looking at who 
you know, who's buying up these homes? Are they mostly like people from Houston? Are they mostly local buyers? I mean, are the younger generations also being pushed out? Is it people coming out from outside buying homes in Houston? I'm just curious, like where all of a sudden this like need for a home has come, you know, who's in the, who's buying these houses? Well, you know, I think it's all of the above. For example, if you go down to Galveston, a lot of the houses and, and not beach, we're not talking beach houses. We're talking like houses just in the city, in the neighborhoods. You know, they're being bought up by uh, investors that are turning them into Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into other neighborhoods where you have the good mm-hmm. schools and and that kind of thing. You know, you have young families. You have a lot of, one of the things that's driving it, of course, is the millennial generation that is coming of age and in the prime home buying years. That to me is the backbone of it. If the higher interest rates take a hit, besides the people that are are barely, you know, barely able to get in, you know, first time buyers that are they're scraping to get into that into that first home, I think some of the investors that may be looking at properties for for rental and, and wanting to cash flow it a certain way, the higher mm-hmm. interest rates may may discourage some of them from stepping into the market. And is Houston worse off than other cities? Are we kind of just like in the same boat as everyone else? Austin, for example, it's it's way worse as far as mm. the, the competition and things like that goes. Wow. The good thing about Houston, though, is Houston is so big. You know, I say Houston right. is an hour from Houston. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> facts. Uh, you know, we have a lot of different options. But even right now, there's, there's still affordable options that get you, you know, 10 minutes to downtown. Mm-hmm. but they're not where you can walk to, you know, Whole Foods in a cupcake store. You do have some some trade-offs. Yeah. Um, and again, if people are willing to make some of those trade-offs, then there are options. And and years ago, for example, there was there was an article where somebody was their older apartment complex was being torn down in Upper Kirby, and and they were oh, yeah. saying, oh gee, you know, Houston only oligarchs can afford it. And, and I was like, oh, stop, you know, you're yeah. you're in Upper Kirby, you're between <laughs> River Oaks and West University, two of the wealthiest you know neighborhoods in the entire Talk country. About wealthy. Yeah, you know, and 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 you can't afford to live there. Well, this you know, this is the fourth largest city. In the United States. This is not, you know, Texarkana or Toledo, both fine <laughs> cities, but you know, yeah. this is the fourth largest city. You're you're in the most geographically blessed place in the fourth largest city. You're gonna pay a premium for that. Of True. course you are. Okay, Robert. So what can we expect to happen next? I mean, is this trend gonna continue? At some point, you know, I've I've been in real estate long enough to see these these cycles, you know, and these trends and them them come and go. Um so yeah, at some point this 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 party's got to end, and and things are going to slow down, and it's got to go back to instead of multiple offers and how much are you going to bid over, mm-hmm. um, it's got to go back to you know some some level of negotiation, you know, with, with right. between buyers and sellers, a more balanced market at some point. Again, I, I have to wonder at what cost, you know. What are the interest rates got to do? How, you know, the, you've got governmental entities working on trying to slow down the housing market, and eventually they're going to be successful at that. Right. The question is when. You know, if somebody's looking at the hottest, hottest areas, you know, the Montrose Heights types areas, or you know, the the really popular master plan communities in the suburbs and that kind of thing. It's going to be a long time, and and what a slowdown looks like there versus mm-hmm. what a slowdown may look like in less popular areas is going to be different, even in mm-hmm. the same city, 
You know, I thought that the heat would scare all these non-Houstonians away, but I don't think so. <laughs> it hasn't done its job yet. <laughs> no, no. You know, I find that when it gets really brutally hot, you know, people just kind of get like, they don't, they don't want to get out in it. I do find things kind of do slow down in Houston in the markets some um, in that July and August, especially once the people in the suburbs, you know, the people that, that have to get moved to get their kids into the schools before yeah, you know, before school starts. They've yeah. got to get closed. Yeah, they're they're got a house under contract by first parts of July. And wow. so, you know, late July, August, especially in the suburbs. And that would be one, you know, one other just sidebar note. Um, if if you're looking in the suburbs, you're going to have more brutal competition, yes, now through through July and August, and even areas where the market is not as driven by the schools. I think this is the more competitive mm. time of year. In, a, in whatever passes for a normal market, it always has been. Now, now in this day and age, I don't know what passes for a normal market anymore. <laughs> right. you know, things have changed. And then, of right. course, the, the other... The other risk of waiting right now, the other gamble on that is what are interest rates going to do? You know, how far are they going to take this to try to slow down the housing market? Yeah. And so that's that is a risk that that, you know, waiting involves. And so, again, it's a very personal decision. People are going to have to people are going to have to weigh that out. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, Robert, thank you yes. so much for being here and to sure. answering yeah. all my questions. This has been awesome. Yes, yes. That was Robert Searcy. Next up, Farrell Gibbs. What else is going on in Houston today? Thank you, Dina. Well, unfortunately, friend of the show and Houston's most high-profile doctor, at least in the fight against COVID, Dr. Peter Hotez, announced on Twitter that he has tested positive for COVID. He tweeted, I have moderate symptoms of fatigue, headache, sore throat. I'm isolating at home doing Zoom meetings. I am grateful to have been vaccinated and boosted, which certainly prevented more severe illness. Transmission is up. Be careful. Though he did have a COVID cough, he was still able to make it on air with Don Lemon of CNN. And in that interview, Dr. Hotez told Mr. Lemon, quote, it is these BA2 and BA12-1 variants that are so transmissible. The good news is if you're vaccinated and boosted or double boosted, you're like me. You tend to get fairly mild illness. That's all for CityCast Houston today. If you liked the show, if you liked what you heard, why don't you tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell anybody. Leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. The plague? I don't know, man. <laughs> I ain't trying to live through another plague. <laughs>